Don't forget to check out everydaytheologian.life for more biblical and theological resources and also some exclusive merchandise. Hey, everybody. Good morning or good afternoon, good evening, whatever time you're listening to this. I am glad you're joining. I hope that you have been loving the fact that we've been having guests on the show the past couple weeks. And in the weeks to come, we will continue to have guests on the show. But today we had a break in that. And I have a topic that I think would be very beneficial for you and myself to hear. In the fall, I had the opportunity to speak at a women's breakfast over the topic of biblical friendship. And you may be listening and thinking, oh, biblical friendship, friendships are hard to me. Or maybe you thrive in your friendships and you have so many friends. If that is the case, you are so blessed. So when I say the word friendship, there may be a lot of thoughts that flood your mind. Maybe they're good, maybe they're bad, or maybe you're just kind of indifferent and think, I don't really need friends or have that many friends. Whatever comes to your mind when you think about friendship, hear me out as we dive into the Bible and we look at relationships, some not so good, and others a great, a great way to glorify the Lord through those relationships. Relationships are hard. I'm sure that you have your own stories coming to mind of times where relationships were just not what you wanted them to be. This side of heaven, we know that we live in a broken world. And through that broken world, we have, unfortunately, some broken relationships. However, we are still called to be in relationship with people. We are called to be in community. We see the Holy Trinity being in perfect community with one another. God the Father in community with God the Son and God the Holy Spirit, three in one, right? We serve one God who exists in three persons in perfect community. This is a wonderful example to what perfect community should look like for us as well. In John chapter 17, verse 20 to 21, Jesus was actually praying for you and for me. He says, my prayer is not only for these disciples, but also for all who will ever believe in me through their message. I pray that they will all be one, just as you and I are one. As you are in me, Father, and I am in you, and may they be in us so that the world will believe that you sent me. Wow, that is Jesus praying that you and I would be in a right relationship together, not only for our benefit, but also so that the world will know that God the Father sent God the Son to save us. God gives us multiple pictures of healthy relationships in the Bible, but he doesn't just give us pictures of healthy relationships. He also gives us examples on how to fix relationships. It's not a surprise to God that we have conflict with one another through the fall, which we have talked about in Genesis chapter three, 
we know that we are going to have conflict with one another, unfortunately. But thankfully, in God's word that we um, hopefully study every day on our own and together in community through our churches, we know how to navigate these relationships in a way that glorifies God. In Exodus chapter 20, we see the Ten Commandments. This is another reminder for us of relationships. The first Ten Commandments, um, or the first four of the Ten Commandments, have to do with our relationship with God. And the last six commandments have to do with our relationship with people. So if our relationship with God is not in a right state, then our relationship with other people is most likely not going to be in a healthy place either. So it's so important to have time in the word, time praying, time growing in our faith with the Lord to then be able to go out into our lives and have glorifying relationships with one another. We see different pictures in the Bible of relationships, and we're going to take a look at a few of them. You will probably be familiar with these stories. In Exodus chapter 17, we read a story about Moses. Moses was holding up a staff and he was in battle. The Israelites were in battle. And when he was holding up the staff, the Israelites were winning. But when his arms would get tired and the staff would lower, the Israelites would start losing. So he had two men, Aaron and Hur, who came up beside him and held his arms up while the Israelites were winning so that they would continue to win. This took a team effort, right? We see Moses needing encouragement and needing help. So his friends physically helped him with this problem. We also see friendship in the story of Job. The entire story, which is in wisdom literature within the Bible, right? If you go back and you listen to the categories of the Bible, we know that Job is in the poetic wisdom literature. The whole premise of the book of Job is to understand man's limited understanding in God's sovereignty. But within that, Job had three friends who continued to give him some sort of advice. But we see later that that advice wasn't exactly godly. And God actually rebukes their advice. So in that, we see friends coming alongside of Job, which we may think, oh, that's encouraging that his friends came alongside of him. But the point is we need friends who come alongside of us and point us back to God, point us to the word, give us sound advice and have sound theology. With Job, we see his friends not understanding who God is. And ultimately they were saying he was experiencing this type of pain because of something that he has done. And that was just not the case. That's not the theology that was happening within the book. So when we have friends that come alongside of us, we want them to give wise advice. Another relationship in the Bible is King Saul. We see he had a relationship with um, ultimately who would be King David. But at the time, we just know him as David. King Saul was so jealous of, of David. His success was so like 
more than irritating. That would be um, a weak word to use because King Saul actually attempted to kill David multiple times in 1 Samuel 17 and 18. But on the other hand, we see David having a healthy relationship with King Saul's son. His name was, was Jonathan. So we see a picture of a not so healthy, jealous relationship with King Saul and David. But then we see a healthy relationship in King Saul's son, Jonathan, who ultimately celebrated King David's accomplishments, but then also protected him at any cost. We see in 1 Samuel 18, Jonathan protecting him and making sure that David um, ultimately lived as his dad was trying to kill him. We can be friends and we can live jealous of one another, or we can be friends who celebrate and protect one another. Jesus, our Savior, gives us a beautiful example of friendship as he had 12 disciples on earth, but then um, he also had an inner circle. And we know these people as Peter, James, and John. These three were invited to see intimate parts of Jesus's life that everyone did not get to experience. Think about the transfiguration in Matthew chapter 17 and Matthew chapter 26. We see the agony of Jesus in the garden of Gethsemane when he was literally sweating blood. He was um, about to go go to the cross and Christ modeled a closeness with these men asking them if they would pray for him during this time. He allowed these three to see the intimate, most scary, scary parts of his life. You know, the, the fear and um, the nervousness of, of death that he experienced in his humanity, right? We know that Christ was fully man and fully human who did not sin. So he experienced these types of emotions and he allowed Peter, James, and John to see those parts of his life. So we can and should have friends who are close with us, who we allow to be intimate in our lives and vulnerable with. In Mark chapter 10, we see um, another example of Jesus's friends, James and John. And this James is not Jesus's brother. It's another James. But they are arguing with Jesus about, well, ultimately with one another to Jesus about who is going to be sitting at Jesus's side in heaven. The other disciples get upset because they want this position too, right? They want to sit beside Jesus in heaven. But the issue is they're arguing about who gets the most prestigious position rather than focusing upward to the Lord and worshiping the Messiah that is in front of them. Are we fighting for positions in our friendship? In Acts 15, Paul gets into an argument um, with Mark, and he does not want Mark to go with him on the next missionary journey, which was his second missionary journey. He was going to go with Barnabas, um, but Barnabas wanted Mark to go with them, and Paul disagreed and did not want Mark to go. We know as we continue on reading in the book of Acts that they went two separate ways on two different missionary journeys, 
But also at the end of Paul's life in 2 Timothy chapter 4, we see Paul asking Timothy to bring Mark to visit him before he dies. So we don't get the full story or the the full picture of what happened between Paul and between Mark, but we do see a glimpse of some sort of forgiveness and some sort of restoration that happens between Acts 15 and the end of Paul's life in 2 Timothy 4. We see that they got in an argument and went two separate ways. But at the end of Paul's life, he asked to see Mark again. I could continue on and we could look at numerous relationships within the Bible. And I know this is not the average podcast that I do, or it's not how I encourage you to really study the Bible in your own time. This is more of a topical study that I had the opportunity to share with women. But I do know that as a woman personally, sometimes friendships can be hard to navigate. We're not left alone in that. We have the word of God to show us how to have community with one another. And when things are hard, how to have right community again with one another. We can learn great things from these biblical relationships. And we know that within the Bible, everything we read is not perfect, right? We go back to inerrancy. The Bible is true and all it affirms. It does not affirm all of these relationships because some of them were poor. King Saul trying to kill King David, that's not glorifying to God, but it's recorded for our benefit and it's recorded perfectly for our benefit. So what are some things that we can learn from these friendships? We should encourage and physically help one another. Remember the story of Moses. Aaron and her physically came alongside of Moses and gave gave him strength that he ultimately did not have during that time. We should run from jealousy and we should celebrate one another's accomplishments. The downfall of King Saul was that he took his eyes off of the Lord and started looking at David, looking at David's accomplishments and success instead of celebrating David like Jonathan did. And ultimately that celebration brought Jonathan and King David closer together. We should should enjoy when one another has success. We should protect one another not just verbally, but physically as well. Jonathan went out of his way to make sure that that David was taken care of. With the story of Job and his friends coming alongside of him, one, it was great that they came alongside of him, but they did not have wise advice. We want to surround ourselves with people who are wise, who give us biblical advice, who point us back to the Lord And I know sometimes we may think, oh, well, I'm helping this person. You may have a friend in mind that you think, well, I'm helping them. And that is wonderful. We are called to pour into people. But if you are pouring into someone else, you want to make sure that you have people pouring into you that are wise, that point you back to the Lord, that point you to the Bible. We want to surround ourselves with people who ultimately have good theology. Everyday Theologian is a platform to help you have good theology. We do not have to have PhDs or go to seminary, but we do want to understand 
core doctrine. We do want to understand theology because Job's friends did not, and they were giving him bad theology ultimately. Like Christ modeled, we should be vulnerable with a small circle that we trust. Christ allowed Peter, James, and John to see intimate parts of his life at the transfiguration that I mentioned, and also in the Garden of Gethsemane when he was about to go to the cross, and he knew that. Um, but the text tells us that he there he was sweating blood, and that in that we see the humanity that he allowed them to experience. We should not compete for positions. In the story of James and John asking Jesus or arguing with one another about who's going to sit beside you in heaven, they were focused inward. They were focused on themselves. We want to always be focused on God, like the Ten Commandments tell us. The first four have to do with our relationship with God. It's crucial that we make our relationship with God the the most important thing in our life if we want to have healthy relationships. We should resolve conflict. Now, I kind of want to camp out for a second at this because um, there are so many different situations that you and I or, or our friends may have in their own lives. We want to resolve conflict in the sense of we want to have forgiveness in our own hearts towards people. We want to love people. The greatest commandment, and Bree talked about this in a previous podcast, is to love our neighbor, to love God with our heart, soul, and mind, and to love our neighbor. And loving our neighbor, yes, requires sacrifice and requires forgiveness, and sometimes it's hard. But forgiving someone does not mean that you have to have them in your day-to-day life. Resolving conflict does not mean that you have to grab coffee or grab lunch or continue on in the way that your relationship was previously. Resolving conflict has to do with your own heart. And in one of the next podcasts, we're actually going to have a guest on the show that talks about biblical forgiveness. So if you're listening right now and thinking resolving conflict is just hard for me, Charlie. I understand I'm with you and we will touch on that topic um, deeply in some upcoming episodes. But for right now, we are called to resolve conflict in as much as we can. So it takes two, two people to have a relationship, right? And you're called on your side to resolve conflict. We should forgive one another. We see Paul having an issue with Mark, and then at the end of his life in 2 Timothy, asking for Mark to visit him. Now, we don't know the extent of what their relationship was in between that time, but we do see, um, we do see forgiveness ultimately. We should pray for one another. I started this podcast um, talking about how Jesus himself prayed for you and I. He prayed for you and I to be one, just like he is one with God, the Father and God, the Holy Spirit. They are one in the Trinity. And we should pray for one another to be one, to have unity. I understand we have disagreements in life. And like I said, sometimes the conflict isn't always resolved. 
but we're called on our part to continue to have pure hearts before the Lord and to have forgiveness within our own hearts so we don't have bitterness towards people. So let me ask you, are you praying for your friends? Within all of this, um, you may be thinking, well, Charlie, I don't really have friends. And I just want to encourage you. We live in a fast paced world. Some people don't take the time to have these deep relationships, but that does not mean that you have to stop looking. I know women who have open seats at their table and who would love to make friends. They are out there, so be encouraged. Maybe someone is coming to mind and you think, well, I used to be their friend, but I just don't know if I can be their friend anymore. And biblically, I just want to encourage you to look inward first. Before you end friendships or think that they're over, just look inward and make sure that you have the attributes that I listed before. For some reflective questions, do these attributes remind you of yourself? When we talk about having healthy relationships, it ultimately starts with us first. Do we have these attributes in our own lives? And I hope so. Do these attributes remind you of the people that surround you in life? We get to pick the people around us in our circle, in our intimate circle. And I hope that they have these attributes as well. John 13, 35, Jesus tells us that others will know we are his disciples by the way that we love one another. Let's be people who love one another through biblical friendship. C.S. Lewis, who was a great theologian, writes, friendship is born at that moment when one person says to another, what? You too? I thought I was the only one. Sometimes in life, it's so easy in the fast paced world I was talking about to think that we are the only one going through a situation. We're the only one that this has ever happened to. And that's simply not the case. Through biblical relationships, we see so much happening. And also, if we talk to the people around us, we pray for wise people to, to be around us, maybe even mentors to pour into our lives, we will quickly learn that we're not the only one going through situations. So in saying all of this, Friendships do at times come to an end. Seasons come to an end. And we do know when we step into a friendship that there's a chance that it can be hard. Personalities are different and sometimes personalities just don't click and that's okay. But we are called as God's people to love one another. We are called to have pure hearts and we're ultimately called to be in relationship with one another. And whatever this looks like in your own life, I'm pretty sure at some point, if, if it's not happened yet or if it's not happening now, at some point, you will have to navigate some conflict. I hope that these attributes and these biblical accounts that I shared give you encouragement to know that you're not alone. Also give you encouragement to look inward. Do these stories reflect you? Do the biblical accounts that are glorifying to God reflect you? 
or does the jealousy and the competition reflect you? And if so, don't be discouraged. We can always come back to the Lord in repentance and we can always come back and attempt to resolve conflicts and glorify the Lord in our relationships. But ultimately, I just pray that throughout life, you feel encouraged, you know you're not alone, and you try as hard as you can with the Lord's help to love the people that he's placed in your life. So with all of that, I thank you for joining us again today. And like I said, friendships um, can be kind of tricky, but we also have, um, within the next couple of weeks, a podcast on biblical forgiveness. So if you are listening and thinking, wow, friendships and conflict is just really hard to me, I would encourage you to stay tuned. In the next couple of weeks, we have actually a counselor coming in to talk about biblical forgiveness. So if you listen on YouTube, please subscribe to the channel, comment below any feedback. And if you're listening on a podcast platform, um, share this with your friends and we will get back to you next week. Bye, you guys. everyone, welcome to Everyday Theologian, where we educate, empower, and equip you to know why you believe what you believe.